Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Did you know there's even more than just this podcast? Go check out my website, houseplant-homebody.com for even more and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And as I'm sure you already know, each podcast episode has a corresponding blog post on my website, so make sure you check that out. And do not forget to rate, review this podcast, and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing so more plant people just like you can find my podcast and social media. You can even help support your favorite podcast, blog, and social media by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you really just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's happened the previous couple months. All right, let's get into it. Well, hello, episode 66. Very excited about this, talking about ficus benjamina, one of the classic houseplants out there, but I wanted to say hello. I am back. Um, Some of you might not have even noticed that I kind of took a break, but in the time that I did take a break, it was about a month and a half, I went and got married to Peter, and we went on a honeymoon to Hawaii for a couple weeks, and I've been back at work for about a week now, so yeah, we're back, and I'm back into Housewife Homebody, re-recording episodes, back on social media, all the fun stuff. So, Ficus Benjamina today. This is a very classic houseplant. I believe it's one of the original houseplants, and it's one of those that makes a wonderful impact, and it's actually very conflicting what you find online. Some of the resources and books that I have say it's an easy plant. Some actually say it's a difficult plant, so I'm going to dive into it more. I'm very excited to explore this. I absolutely love these. I think they are highly underrated as a houseplant and more people should have them, but that's just my opinion. And then you can choose if you want it or not after this podcast. Okay, let's get into it. So the botanical name for this is Ficus benjamina. I call it that in the podcast episode and blog because that's probably the best way to identify it in my mind. A lot of people, I feel like, don't use the common names as often when describing it. Usually, they just say ficus or something, but the common name that is most likely used is either weeping fig or fig tree. It's also known as weeping Chinese banyan which it's actually not a banyan tree per se, but it is commonly called that. And it's called Benjamin tree sometimes, small-leafed rubber tree potentially, which I think is very confusing because there is the ficus elastica that is called rubber tree. So there's a difference there. If you're going to use a common name, I'd probably just say weeping fig or fig tree. But the Latin name or botanical name is ficus benjamina, which is most commonly used and the best way to describe it in a way. Since there's so many ficus varieties that are very popular in the houseplant community, that's probably why. So there are a ton of different cultivars for ficus benjamina out there, but a lot of times you won't see them on packaging, at least from my perspective as someone that has ordered them and that's bought them or went looking for them. 
a lot of times when I was ordering, it would just say Ficus Benjamina 10 inch and that's what I was ordering. And I knew I was ordering a variety that wasn't variegated or anything. If it was variegated, it would say variegated Ficus Benjamina and that's all I would usually see on my ordering sheet for the garden center. Now, there are definitely garden centers and plant shops that know the exact cultivar and will put it on there. But really, I think all you need to know is there are like three main differences between different cultivars of ficus benjamina. Now, there are obviously more differences between the three differences I'm going to list, but the three differences are there is the plain green ficus benjamina, there's a white variegated ficus benjamina, and there is a yellow green variegated form. Those are really the only main three color differences in this family of plants. Now, obviously, you have plants like Ficus elastica that has pinks and different, a lot of different colors out there, but Ficus benjamina doesn't really have that side of things. If it is, it's like a brand new cultivar, hasn't been out in the market for a long time, haven't really seen it much, but from what I've seen, there are just the plain green, the white variegated, and the yellow variegated. I personally have the plain green, and I have a yellow variegated one. I've had them, I actually went back in Instagram in my highlights, I have like a a 2020 plant wins highlight that shows all the plants I got in 2020, and I have 2021, and somehow I accidentally deleted 2022. Very frustrated. But anyways, the 2020, I went and checked to see if I got my yellow variegated one, and it's not in there. So I've had it for at least a couple years now. The green variegated one, I believe I got at the beginning of this year, I think. Beginning of this year, end of last year. I didn't see it in the 2021, so I think it was the beginning of this year. But I like them both a lot. Um, But I'll get into care and kind of what I do or what's happened with mine overall. But I still have them and I've had them for years. So that says something, right? (laughs) So let's dive into the sun requirements specifically. So for these, I would highly recommend putting them in bright indirect light. Definitely want to put them in a brighter area simply because that will provide a lot thicker foliage, a lot more foliage, more consistent growth, and all that jazz. But I say that that is best for the plant, but it actually does really well in many different light situations. I would say for the health of the plant and just for your sake, I would just avoid low light in general and keep it between medium to bright indirect light. And in between there, use a grow light if you want any of those. I would just maybe keep it like not in a dark place. Where you'd put a snake plant, maybe don't put this. (laughs) So I currently have mine. I have one under a grow light currently, and I have one in an east window, and both are doing very well and growing well. Um, But for water requirements, we're going to dive into that a little bit because that is the part that I think is what can make this plant a little bit harder sometimes because they require... (laughs) I didn't know the best way to put this. So you want to let them dry out in between watering, but... If you let them completely dry out, they will start to 
lose some leaves. So I would say I had conflicting things in sources the way they described it. Some sources said keep it consistently watered, which can mean a slew of things. But in my mind, it means you're going to be watering more often than some other houseplants. So for example, a monstera could could go two weeks or so, at least in my house, without any water during peak season. It might have the leaves like a little folded, but it's totally fine. For something like the ficus benjamina, if you, if I went personally, if I went two weeks without watering it, I would lose like a bunch of leaves. So I typically water the ficus benjamina a little bit more frequent than some of my other houseplants. I also have it in a terracotta pot, which means that the moisture is getting taken away from it a little bit more than being in a plastic pot or ceramic pot or something like that because the terracotta absorbs moisture too. Small detail, not really the point. The point is (laughs) ficus benjamina do need a little bit more moisture. As much as I want to say let it dry out, this is something you probably need to play with a little bit. And if you have one of those moisture meterators, that could really help you. And if it's on the low end of that spectrum, almost, I guess, between the like medium low, I would say water again because you don't want to let it. I don't think you want to let this plant completely dry out because that just gives you more of a chance for foliage dropping, which is my consistent problem with this plant. The nice thing is this plant bounces back really easily. So foliage drops. I get it back up to the moisture it needs. I'm good with it for a while and new leaves are forming very quickly afterwards. So As long as you're consistent, and I would say don't let it completely dry out, you should be good. The fun thing is, is obviously this doesn't, this plant doesn't react well to overwatering either. So allowing it to dry out and understanding what length of time that takes before that happens is healthier than overwatering it. But that, I I honestly think the watering is the thing that trips people up because the foliage does drop. And I'll explain a little bit more about the foliage dropping a little bit later. But from a watering standpoint, I wouldn't say don't let it go completely bone dry if you can keep it consistently watered. You're going to water a little bit more often than some other houseplants. All right. Also, humidity is part of the moisture aspect in my mind. Humidity definitely helps with this plant. This plant is native to parts of Asia, Australia, and I also saw conflicting things about this. It said like the Southwest Pacific, which technically would be like Southwest United States, I think. I don't think it's native to Southwest United States, but point being, it's a little bit more tropical, so humidity definitely helps. That being said, also, it doesn't need it to do well. I think the amount of moisture and I think the light plays into keeping a really nice full plant. I don't think you need high humidity to get a really nice full plant, if that makes sense. So humidity, great if you can do it. You should, even if it's misting once in a while, every day, every other day, misting it. If you don't have the capacity to do that, I don't think this is a point that you will kill your plant on, if that makes sense. Okay, we're going to dive into fertilizer and other facts after this. 
So fertilizer, as I always say, there are lots of options with fertilizer. I currently use Fox Farms Grow Big Liquid Fertilizer, and I do normally fertilize about every two weeks in peak season uh, because it is a liquid and it just goes in the watering can with everything else. And I usually start at the end of February and I stop around October. So pretty soon I actually will be stopping fertilizing as of, you know, I'm recording this in um, middle beginning of September right now. And in winter I do fertilize, but it's probably only once or twice just because I cut back on fertilizing because growth isn't super active and growing, but it is there. So I just fertilize like one more time, probably in December. And that's about it. And then I use probably about like three-fourths around half to three-fourths the recommended amount of fertilizer um, that the package says only because I would rather under than over fertilize my plants, but that's what I do. So since this plant is, I think, the original awesome house plant, it's in all of my books, except for, well, two of my littler books, it wasn't, but any of like the main books that I usually use, it had information in it. Therefore, it had fertilizer instructions. So some are specific, but like most of them are very, very general, which just goes to prove that this is something that's very much what you are comfortable with, you should be doing. So I'm going to read them off just so you're aware of what else everyone else is recommending. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual says, in spring, sprinkle time-release fertilizer granular granules over the surface of the soil or from spring through fall, feed monthly with a balanced houseplant food. In winter, do not feed. So that's one perspective. They give you a couple options. The granulars, which is great for a slow release if you really don't have time to fertilize and you just you just need to put it on, leave it on for a few months. That's a great option. Or they do give you the option of the balanced houseplant food monthly. I think the monthly part is the part that changes and it totally depends on the product you're using. So there are some fertilizer that you can do monthly, but like mine's every two weeks. So I think it's super dependent on the product you choose. In winter, don't feed. I would say to still fertilize a little bit, obviously cut it down because the plant is still growing. It's just not actively growing like peak season growing. Okay. And then Plantopedia says to promote growth, fertilize once a month in spring and summer. That's it. Super easy. Again, they don't mention any kind of specific product or any kind of granular or whatever. Just whatever you want to do with the product. And they say once a month again. And I'll I'll say the next one also says the same thing. I still think it's very much related to the fertilizer type you choose rather than the length of time in between fertilizing. Okay, and the last one is the Practical Houseplant book and they say apply a half strength balanced liquid fertilizer once a month from spring to fall. So they're really emphasizing the all of them are really emphasizing the peak growing season from spring to fall, spring to summer, and then cutting back a lot in winter, not even feeding really for most of them is what they're recommending. But it is actively growing. And if you are seeing new leaves being produced, I would still fertilize just a little bit. It's it's not going to hurt the plant at all. It's just going to help it through the winter even more. So that's fertilizer. So for the other facts, I wanted to start by saying, notice how I didn't have a propagation section this time. And that is because these plants are very woody plants and it's a little bit more difficult to propagate as just a houseplant collector and a person just like 
growing houseplants in their home as a hobby for the most part. As a professional, there are definitely ways to do it. Um, They say, a lot of the places say air layering is probably the best way to do it, but they said it takes forever to do it that way. And I think if you're buying a ficus, you're not really going to buy it necessarily to propagate it, if that makes sense. The point of the ficus is to be a really nice centerpiece and you want it to be really full and kind of thicker foliage. So you're not going to remove foliage from it. Most of the time you're buying this plant kind of in a tree form of some sort. So there's not a great way to propagate it off of that, if you know what I mean. So that's why I didn't include that section in here at all, but I just wanted to throw that out there. Air layering is an option. Some of them said stem cutting too, but it's not frequently done in the houseplant community. So throwing that out there. But for the other facts, we have a lot going on here. This is part of the Moraceae family, which is also known as the fig family. As I said, they're native to parts of Asia and Australia, and some sources said southwestern United States as well, um, but not all sources. So I did put it on the blog post, but I'm not quite sure um, where in southwestern United States this was native to, but um, every source said parts of Asia and Australia is where it is native to. So I kept it on there, but just in case, wanted to throw that out there. In nature, these trees can grow about 40 to 50 feet tall and typically about 30-25 feet wide. As a houseplant, they'll really grow to as big as you'll let them. I've seen them in several different sizes, but at an indoor place, I saw them at a conference place, kind of in the center with a skylight above them. They're probably about 15 feet tall. Really cool, really pretty but they'll grow as big as you let them. So typically when you're buying them, you're probably buying them as in a tree form in a 10 to 12 inch nursery pot. Sometimes, a lot of times you'll see them with braided stems. So it's like two, three, four trees kind of braided into one, but there's definitely ways out there you can find them smaller. So I found both of mine in a four to six inch pot and that those are the ones that I currently have. So it kind of depends on where you're looking, but I guarantee probably like 75% of the time you're going to find them in tree form, the 10 to 12 inch pots. If you're looking for a statement plant and you want a bigger focal plant like a ficus benjamina and you want it a little bit larger, you don't want to start with a smaller tree, there might be garden centers and plant shops that could order larger sizes. I say that because when I worked at the garden center and I ordered houseplants, I actually ordered a couple of really big ficus benjaminas. I ordered, I think they were eight foot. Maybe they were bigger than eight foot. They were, they were pretty big, eight or nine feet. I bought two of them just to see how they do and they were really nice. We had them inside the garden center for a bit and I did sell one of them to, um, I think someone was coming from Illinois to get it, but I, it might be an option to actually have a garden center or a plant shop order it. So the price is definitely going to be higher because transportation is a lot higher. For us at the garden center, we placed one order and filled in with a bunch of small stuff and to place that one order in spring, we usually placed it by like 
I think it's February or something. So I would maybe start talking to a plant shop or something really early. You know, it's different wherever you go probably, but in the Midwest, it's also a little bit different because it's winter. So the growing season for some plants is also different. They don't know what stock they're going to have until a little bit later. So anyway, if you want a statement plant, you want something bigger, that would be a good place to start. So to explain the leaves dropping a little bit because I talked about it earlier with watering. This is actually a completely normal phenomenon for ficus benjamina in general, which makes it even more confusing and probably why other people think it's difficult also. So not only can watering actually have the leaves drop, but a change in environment also if it stresses the plant out or just a change in the environment or if something happens can cause the leaves to drop. So if you're bringing a ficus from the garden center, nice warm humid garden center to your house which is drier and a little cooler, it's gonna drop leaves. It's completely natural. Just keep it watered like you're supposed to. Increase the humidity if you can to ease the transition and give it a good amount of light and it should reduce the amount of foliage that drops, but it is expected that it is going to drop. So I just wanted to throw that out there that it can happen. If you've had your plant for a while and leaves start dropping, maybe see what kind of watering changes you might have done, or if it's um, transitioning into season, so it's been spring and summer, now it's fall and winter, that might also cause the foliage to drop because it's a change in environment different time of year. So just keep that in mind. Sometimes there isn't always a total bad reason it's happening. It could just be that time of year, could be a change in the environment, could be a change in watering. So just as an FYI, leaves dropping for ficus, it happens. If leaves are dropping on like your rubber plant, the like ficus elastica, that's more concerning than the ficus benjamina because there's so many leaves in the ficus benjamina and sometimes one certain leaf that drops off of your rubber tree or ficus elastica it can just look weird since they're so much bigger (laughs) so anyway just want to throw that out there um and one other thing ficus benjamina they do get berries and flowers but as a houseplant you will probably never see them um north carolina state extension uh I love when I find college and university information on our lovely houseplants because I know the information's correct (laughs) at those places. So they did have a little bit of a quote. They did have a little bit of information. I just want to read. They said, flowers and fruits are enclosed in a fleshy sack that turns from green to orange red to red, then purplish black. So that berry flower is enclosed and it changes color but you're never really going to see it you're you'd probably only see it in its native habitat so don't worry about it this is not a reason to be picking this plant at all you're just looking at the foliage here and last but not least this plant is toxic to pets and humans so just be careful with it episode 31 has a ton of other information about pets and plants too if you need more information and there is a blog post about it as well Okay, but we're going to dive into the Instagram Q&A quick. Just as a reminder, Instagram Q&A 
is what I do for each podcast episode. So usually when a podcast episode is released that same day, I put a story up that says, hey, this is the following episode. If you have questions, put them in the box here and I'll answer them. This is the time to do that if you have any questions. I don't care what it is. It could be, what is a ficus benjamina? What does that mean? What does ficus mean? Do you have one? What's your opinion of them? You know, it can it can literally be any question under the sun. You can just say hi to me. <laughs> as long as you're putting something in that question box, I will love you. Um, but putting something in that question box allows me to do more research on the plant and sometimes answer questions that I might not even think about when doing the research for the plant. And it's something you might need to know for your own environment or for your own home or whatever. So I got two questions this time. So we'll go through these. But in the future, watch out for that question box. If you miss it and you know what the episode is coming up, then just message me on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere and say, hey, I know this uh, podcast episode's next. Can you answer the question? And I will answer it. I always put them on the blog post as well, questions and answers as well. And I always put them right in this podcast episode. So if you ask a question, it will be answered in both forms. Okay, so the two questions. The first one is, what makes it different from other ficus plants? So there are a lot of different characteristics that make the ficus benjamina different from other ficus plants. I think that there are obviously several things. The main things are the thickness of the leaves, the size of the leaves, the colors, and the leaf patterns are all different on all sorts of different ficus. So I kind of want to list the most popular and I'll kind of describe them very generally. That way you get a sense of how they're all different. So Ficus benjamina has a very oval shape, small leaf, very a, a little bit thinner leaf, thin, I don't know how to describe the thickness of the leaf. It's definitely thicker than your normal like maple tree, um, but it's thinner than like the rubber tree, the fi- ficus elastica. And they're usually pretty small, oval with kind of pointed on each end. I know there is a specific horticulture term, but guess what? I don't have a horticulture degree, so I didn't look it up. <laughs> um, so ficus benjamina, very popular. Probably not the most popular right now, but it, they are the original ficus, in my opinion. The next one that is probably the one of the more popular ones of the ones I'm going to list is ficus elastica, which is commonly called the rubber tree. This has the super thick leathery leaves and they range in colors from dark red to green to variegated pinks and whites and lots of colors. Very cool, very popular plant. Probably the most popular one right now is Ficus lyrata, which is commonly called fiddle leaf fig. This has a little bit more of an upside down pear shaped leaf, if that makes sense super structurally sound leaves, very, very thick. Um, That's controversially known as a very difficult ficus. In my opinion, it's not so difficult as long as you're consistent, but that's ficus lyrata. Ficus triangularis, triangularis, I feel like I pronounced that weird. It's not triangulus, it's triangularis, I think. Oh my god, whatever. Either way, (laughs) it's like a rounded triangular leaf is what that is. That also comes in forms of green and variegated version. 
This one is also controversially known as a more difficult houseplant in the houseplant community. I've seen a lot of well-known houseplant owners on Instagram within like a month have to throw the plant out because they, they, they couldn't do it. Another one is ficus. I'm going to butcher this pronunciation. Benhelenis? Benhelenis? Something like that. That, um, the most common cultivar is Audrey is what it's called. It's a green form of ficus, structurally very similar to ficus elastica, but the way the leaf looks and the thickness of the leaf is not so leathery, if that makes sense. It's a little bit closer to the thickness of the Benjamina, but the leaves are typically bigger in that case. And then the next one I put is Ficus altisma, which is very commonly seen, I believe, as like the yellow gem is a very common variety of it. It looks almost identical to an Audrey, but typically has like some kind of variegation to it. Some Most of the times, the forms I've seen it in. And then the last one I put is Ficus maclilandi. Maclilandi. I don't know how to pronounce that, but the more than more often than not, you're gonna see it as Ali ficus. It's very similar form to ficus benjamina, but instead of the oval leaf with the pointed ends, it's more rectangular, like thinner, longer leaves with the pointed ends. So has a very different leaf shape, but the structure is almost exactly the same as the Benjamina. So to answer the question of what makes it different, I believe it's just thickness of leaf, size of leaf, sometimes color. Obviously there are colors that are the same, um, but the leaf patterns. And I think it's gonna be the thickness of the leaves and size of the leaves that are the main differences. The structure of the plant is also different. Most of the time you're gonna find the Benjamina in a tree form, but some of the ones I listed you find in tree form also or you find some of the plants like ficus lyrata and elastica, the leaves will grow all the way up and down the trunk over a period of time too. So it depends on the variety you get, but I would say the leaf is going to be the most predominantly different on each of them. So the last question is, why is it called ficus benjamina? And let me tell you, I love getting these questions because this one was a hard one to find because everything said something different and then I started to notice everything said something a little bit, just a little bit different. So I went with what the Center for Agriculture and Bioscience International said um, and I believe this organization is part of the UK but, or that's what it said at least, that was the the rights on the website was. Um, they have a direct quote on their website I wanted to quote because that's probably the only legit way you're going to find out what this is. So it says the species name of Ficus benjamina, sometimes spelled benzamina, so instead of benjamina with a J, it has a Z, likely refers to the supposed relation of this plant to the source of a resin or benzoin procured from the Orient in antiquity or the specific epithet from banyan from the Sanskrit banyi. So I believe it's more of a regional thing, which is why it's called that. So, Benjamina came from like a form of the word in different languages, banyan tree. 
And I think that's why. <laughs> so I think it's more of a regional description of where it came from and where it's native to, rather than a fun cultivar name of some sort. So I think that's what it is. Um, and I did put, you know, that it comes from a form of banyan, I believe from the original origin of the plant in India. So I put that quote on there because I might have butchered a couple of those harder words. <laughs> so um, that was a harder question and I loved it because I learned something. Benjamina, I kind of just figured it, it seems like such an American word for some reason. And when I looked it up, it I think it got like Americanized because that's definitely not where it came from at all. So anyways, that's kind of where it came from. I believe it was more of a location and like a location origin is what it came from. So that is the podcast episode. If you don't usually listen to the very end, I would highly, highly recommend you do because if you didn't know, I announced the pod, the next podcast episode that way, just to let you know. So, and I give you updates on my life, what's happening for Houseplant Homebody, if there is updates and all that good stuff. So if you don't listen to the end, I think you should, just as a heads up. But anyways, I want to know what you think of ficus benjamina so please comment on this podcast comment on the social media posts or just message me and let me know what you think did i make you love it did i make you hate it are you very skeptical are you having problems with your ficus benjamina i love to know and please do this for every podcast episode message me and go hey you sold me i'm gonna go find myself one right now or, oh my God, I'm not even buying that because that sounds so difficult. I will probably try to sway you the other way because I want people to buy all the houseplants in the world. But that's just me. So let me know what you think. And yeah, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to episode 66 of Houseplant Homebody, all about Ficus Benjamina. Don't forget to check out the blog post that corresponds with this episode. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog page, you'll find it there. Also, don't forget to find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Make sure you're rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast along with liking, saving, and commenting on social media. Odds are, if you like this podcast, someone else will too. I love to hear what you've learned from this episode or really anything that I'm doing and your plant experiences, so please share them with me because I love it. Also, you can help support your favorite podcast by joining me on my Become a Supporter website page to get exclusive podcast episodes, access to a supporter-only Facebook group, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world to me, and I'm super excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. Also, don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for the brand new episode and blog post. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Okay, hi. I hope you held on like I told you to. <laughs> um, so I'm back, obviously, from the honeymoon and everything. Getting married, all that good stuff. Um, I have forgotten to say husband a couple times, and it's been really funny. But it's very weird being a wife and having a husband. I have not totally grasped the wording part of it. But um, it feels like nothing changed because nothing really did change. Just my last name, which I'm still waiting from the paperwork for, so that technically hasn't changed yet. Um, and the fact that we can file taxes together. 
and marriage license. So, I mean, nothing changed really in our lives except we got married um, and we made it official, which is perfect. That's what we wanted. So that's what we did. And we got two weeks off of work for it. So heck yeah. So we went to Kauai, Hawaii. Highly recommend Kauai for um, a trip if you go. We got really lucky with friends and family kind of giving us uh, timeshares and stuff over there. So that's why we were able to make it over there Um, because it it is a little bit pricier over there as you hear about Hawaii. but it was perfect. It's definitely it's known as the Garden Island. There it was in a drought while we were there, so it wasn't as green as they said it normally is. Uh, but it was still beautiful, and there was a ton on the island to do. It felt a lot more part of the culture than maybe some of the islands, the other islands might have. Granted, we did not go to the other islands, but as we were talking to the local people there um, on any of our excursions and or whatnot that's kind of what they said um so it was just really really fun so i have another podcast episode for the supporters only that came out today as well on tuesday as well that's gonna go into detail um about what i did um any recommendations i might have and i talk about a ton of plants on that podcast episode so i say i'll give you one plant highlight for me which is funny because it's going to be so different for everyone else. And um, I think my favorite thing I saw there, okay, I can't break that down. I go into more detail about this on the other podcast, but I saw a variegated Duranta tree like in nature on at like a botanical arboretum or whatever. Oh my God. Blooming. It was so pretty because I have a Duranta tree that blooms in the summer on my deck, but then I saw the tree and I'm like, oh my god I've never seen one like this so anyways that was probably my favorite houseplant geek thing that I saw um for houseplant homebody I am going to continue recording going to continue posting um and I feel a lot more motivated to get you guys good content I know for a while there I was a little behind on things and that was just because I think I was stressed out with the wedding and everything and um, I as you might know on social media I co-founded a nonprofit with my sister in the state of Wisconsin called Live Love Donate we promote organ tissue and eye donation but we do a golf outing every year and that's actually still coming up in a couple weeks so we're a little busy with that too um, but probably once October hits be smooth sailing from there for me um, but I still I'm very excited to be back and to be talking to you all again um, the, oh, what's the next episode? I haven't looked at my list today. I'm going to go look right now. My internet has been slow today. Let me tell you. I don't know what it is. There we go. Okay. Oh, oh my God. Well, that worked out perfect. The next episode <laughs> is literally on Duranta. So, <laughs> um, be prepared for that. And I love that I said that that was my favorite plant. Guys, I did not plan that at all. So the next episode is going to be Duranta. Some of you are going to be like, what the heck is that? Some of you are going to be like, oh my God, I love those too. I guarantee most of you are like, what is that? But I think it's a very underrated plant. Way more underrated even than the ficus. But it's got its own issues. So I can't wait to dive into that. So that one comes out on September 22nd. Or not 22nd, 27th. Tuesday the 27th. Obviously, supporters will get it on the 26th. 
Sometimes I send it out Sunday night for supporters. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Otherwise, um, I will put the question box on Instagram after I post about the fight against Benjamina for the Duranta questions. So make sure to ask your questions there. I'll ask a couple more times before I record that episode as well. Um, also remember there is a blog post about Ficus Benjamina with some lovely pictures, including one with Bruno right next to it, my dog. So if you want to go see a cute dog picture, maybe you should go to my website, houseplant-homebody.com to go check it out. There's a blog tab, just go right there and it will be at the top of the page for what just got released for the blog. So that's all I have right now. Hope you guys have a wonderful week and I'll see you on social media. Bye.